This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we go. Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Thank you, Sarah. And we are finishing up Daniel almost. This one and next one will be done. And today the title is Daniel Predicts the Antichrist and Armageddon. This will be a real cheerful one. <laughs> the Antichrist and Armageddon, Daniel eleven thirty six to 45. The Antichrist and Armageddon. Wow. It's, it's, you get it. We've already, we've already seen both of these topics in the book of Daniel, but now we're going to go into more detail on them. And then we're going to jump into the book of Revelation next and really get into some details on them. We, we spent the first, uh, we've already looked at Daniel 11, 1 through 35, amazing prophecies. In Daniel 1 through 35, there were 135 fulfilled prophecies which led up to the first coming of Jesus Christ. We saw at the Antiochus Epiphanes last time, which is a picture of the Antichrist, a type of the Antichrist. Today we're going to see the real deal. The real deal. We're going to jump to the end times just before the second coming. The real Antichrist comes before the second coming, just like the type came before the first coming. Verses 36 to 39, we're going to see the, the real Antichrist, the real deal. Daniel's already warned about him, explained about him a lot more, but now we're going to see even more details and then a lot more in Revelation. Verse 35, we saw the time of the end, the time of the end. And this is that, we talked about that prophetic gap. This Daniel's 70 weeks. We saw the 69 are already finished, but there's one more week floating out there in the future waiting. And this is it. We've been waiting for the 70th week, the last seven years which we've been talking about. The events that we're going to look at today in Daniel 11, verses 36 through 39, and then up to 45, haven't happened yet. All the other ones have happened that were in the beginning of Daniel 11. These have not happened yet. These are the ones leading up to the second coming. And, and these is gonna, this is going to sound incredible, but listen, if the first 135 prophecies were fulfilled to the, to the T, to the dot, what does that tell us? Plan on the second half. Plan on the rest. It's just, a, it's not a question of will they be fulfilled. It's just a question of when. And if we are looking around our world and we're watching the news and we are following what's going on in the world and our country, we know it's getting closer and closer all the time. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that we would be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are, and I pray that every person listening to this would act on the first coming, would put their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we'd be prepared and looking forward to and persevering through to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I pray that for every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up. Verses uh, Daniel 11. Verses 36 to 39, first of all, with the Antichrist. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his fathers. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many peoples and will distribute the land at a price. So, 
Woo! Here we go. The Antichrist. First of all, verse 36, it says he will be against God. We remember back in verse 31, we saw that he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Josephus described the fulfillment of this with Antiochus Epiphanes, with a pig altar. But, and, but, even though that was fulfilled through Antiochus Epiphanes in Matthew 24, 15 to 16, we already saw that Jesus says it's still future, which means what? There's a double fulfillment. Not only Antiochus Epiphanes, but it's going to be fulfilled in the future. Double fulfillment, which we will study in detail when we get to Revelation 13. We're going to be looking at the Antichrist, the false Messiah, the world savior, the one who's going to bring peace to the Middle East. He's going to create a seven-year treaty with Israel that's going to allow Israel to have peace for seven years. And he's going to allow them to rebuild their temple. It's going to be rebuilt, the third temple. In fact, the third temple is already being planned in detail. I'll just read you some quotes. Temple Institute working on blueprints for a third temple. It's all laid out. Uh, the Jewish religious leaders have it all laid out. They have everything made, the, the garments and the, the golden uh, utensils and er, the, everything is laid out. They're just looking for a red heifer. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Numbers 19, the red heifer. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Uh, it just is, is, it's incredible how they've laid this out. Um, uh, a member of the recently established Sanhedrin Council, 71 rabbis uh, were, were formed and reformed on October in October 2004 for the first time in 1600 years. They've been trying to figure out the exact site of Herod's temple. They know the mount, but they're going to find the exact spot. And they're also working on choosing Israel's first king, <laughs> uh, opposed to Israel's present democratic government. Uh, they also sent a letter in 2004. The Sanhedrin sent a letter to every nation on earth warning that the world is nearing a catastrophe. The only way to bring about peace on earth is to, through the rebuilding of the third temple. All they're missing, this is, this is a reality. This is reality. It's coming. The Bible says it's coming and we're seeing it prepared. The only thing missing, they said they haven't found a red heifer, a complete red heifer. It's from Numbers 19. In Jewish theology, in the Old Testament, the red heifer is an essential to rebuilding the third holy temple. I'm reading this from a news article this week. This week. Um, but the significance of the red heifer also relates to Christians who believe the completion of the third temple is a symbol heralding the second coming of Jesus. It is claimed that there have only been nine true red heifers and the tenth will herald the uh, start of the third temple. The Bible refers to the red heifer in Numbers 19, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, The ordinance of the Torah which the Lord has decreed, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and have them bring you a red heifer without defect in which there is no blemish and upon which never came a yoke. And the rabbis emphasize, if they, even if they find a red heifer, at any time it could acquire a blemish. They can only have, they can't have more than two non-red hair, red hairs on its body. And you know how hair colors change. They're not allowed to dye it. Sorry. Uh, so, but they have actually found one right now. They're waiting anxiously to see if it stays red. Or if there's some changes, it's made big news in Israel just recently. Crazy stuff. So uh, it, it's it, it's here, it's coming here. It, they said that they will break, they will the, the Antichrist will make this deal, rebuild the temple, and uh, and give them a seven-year treaty. But halfway through the seven years, he will break this 
treaty in the middle. He'll set up his own image in the temple. And the religious Jews will resist and there will be serious persecution. He's going to set up the abomination that causes desolation, his own image in the temple. They're going to resist. There will be serious persecution. It's going to be a nightmare. They thought they were getting their Messiah and they actually get their worst nightmare. And not only them, but Christians are also going to see them. Now, whether you believe in pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation, we are still going to at least see part of this time, all right? And, and by the way, it doesn't matter what we believe, it only matters what God knows, so we're all, we're all, you know, figure there's a, a, a 33%, 33%, 33% chance, uh, for each of those positions. They all have a, a pretty decent biblical explanation. But anyway, no matter what you believe, no matter when the rapture is, we are still going to see at least the beginning of him, if not the end of him. Uh, verse, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. The word rebellion also means apostasy occurs. And the man of lawlessness, Antichrist, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So we, it seems from this passage that we will see him. No matter when the rapture happens, we're still going to see him. We have to be on our guard. And this lends itself to a mid-tribulation rapture. Different verses, different things. God wants us to be ready whenever it is. That's all I'm going to say. Pray for pre, prepare for post, and be ready. We just don't know. God wants us always on our guard whenever it happens. Okay? Uh, verse 37. Back to Daniel verse 37. Daniel 37 where it says, He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. Ooh, no regard for the God of his fathers. That's a biblical expression used of Jews for their God. Very interesting. It's possible that the Antichrist has Jewish roots, even though he's going to turn on them and persecute them and and kill many of them. He Apparently, he might have Jewish roots. He could be, uh, well, look at this way. Jesus Christ was Jewish. Jesus Christ was Jewish. The Messiah was Jewish. So his counterfeit might be Jewish also. It would explain why the Jews would follow him readily, because he's Jewish. Uh, the, he's going to be the ruler of the revived Roman Empire, but also an apostate Jew, obviously, not a real Jew, or he wouldn't be demanding to be worshipped himself in the temple. He's apostate. It reminds me of Hitler. Hitler apparently had some Jewish genes in a background which he didn't like and he persecuted Jews. So it could be that similar kind of a person, only much, much worse than Hitler. Or it says, no regard for the God of his fathers or for the one desired by women. That is a messianic term. That means he's going to have no regard for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's why he's the anti Christ. It sounds like many politicians say they may claim to be Christianish or religious, but their true colors soon show through. Okay? I remember when President Obama was the president. I'm going to upset some of you. I'm upset everybody in a minute here. I remember when he was the president. Uh, he, he's claimed to be Christian, but the fruit of his the, the actions, the fruit of his life, the, the way he voted, he was the most anti-biblical president in history. It's impossible for him to actually be a Christian. How do I know that? 
by their fruit you will know them. Watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Very, very clear. Now we have President Trump, who's a strong Christian, right? Well, not so fast, not so fast. Uh, he is mo more supportive of the Judeo-Christian beliefs, for sure. Uh, there's, there's a lot more that he's supportive. He's not completely anti-biblical like Obama, President Obama was. But, uh, so he has some beliefs, but he's uh, very likely... Uh, we got to go by fruit. Uh, very likely we are seeing someone who is being influenced by another Daniel, by Vice President Pence. That's where a lot of this stuff is coming from. Uh, it's hard for me to, to say he's a Christian yet, but I'm holding out hope. Holding out hope for President Obama. Hope they both become true Christians, okay? But uh, it doesn't matter what people say. you got to look at the fruit of their life. Thus, by their fruit, you will know them. Um, he, then not only will he have no regard for the God of his fathers or for the Messiah, but he will exalt himself, it says in verse 37. The reason why he rejects Jehovah and Jesus Christ both is the same reason that Satan turned against God. He wants to be like God. He wants to be worshipped like God. That's what he wants. That's why he's going to set up his image in the temple. Verse 38, it also says he is a god of fortresses or a god of war. You think of a Hitler, right? God of war. You know, and, and he'll, maybe he'll have a nuclear arsenal. We see the spirit at work today. There are wars everywhere. Who is this man's god? Who will be his god? Who will be? Who's the god of war? It's Satan himself. Uh, he's a murderer from the beginning. Remember what uh, J Jesus said. He's a murderer from the beginning. Revelation 13, 4 says, Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Who can make war against him? He worships the god of war. And then in verse 39, it talks about, very interesting, He will attack the mightiest fortresses, um, let's see, he, uh, with the help of a foreign god, he will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. Um, okay, so we see in the book of Revelation that there's going to be ten rulers that are going to rule underneath him. If that's what we see in the book of Revelation. If you look at the, ever watched the Left Behind DVD, I know there's, it's not perfect, it's not inerrant, but it's interesting and it also uses a lot of Bible. And they had the ten rulers that are going to be set up. And we, we see right now a new global club of ten nations precursor to the beast of revelation question mark and it talked about how the uk just recently came out the united kingdom came out with a proposed plan to create a new club of democratic nations to address reliance on the chinese technology blah 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 and the coronavirus crisis has revealed the dangers blah 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 the d10 club of democratic parties are going to be 10 different countries the united states UK, Italy, Germany, France, Japan, Canada, Australia, South Korea, India would create this 10, and, and 10 nations and it, 10 rulers and the, it gives us a foreshadowing of what's going to come. These are not the 10 nations that we know that are going to be the revived Roman Empire, but we're seeing a picture of what it's going to look like, how it's going to be set up. Okay. And after we get the Antichrist, now we come in the book of Daniel to Armageddon. Armageddon, okay? And Armageddon, uh, once again, has already been talked about many times in Daniel, but now there's more detail here and then even more and more detail in Revelation. We're going to get to that next. We're coming up quickly toward Revelation. We have the Antichrist, the false messiah. We've been talking about he's a demon-possessed man who, who uh, achieved Satan's dream of world 
conquest and, and control. He has absolute power. There's a one world government, a one world religion. That's his ultimate goal to set up a one world church that he can be worshipped in. He kills Christians. He persecutes the Jews and kills the Jews. Revelation 6 to 18 says God pours out his judgments. That, that you want, want to talk about real climate change, real global warming, it's coming. God's judgments. Read Revelation 6 to 18. The voters are disappointed. They're disappointed. What happened to our Eden? We thought we were all going to be living in Disney World. What happened, Antichrist? You know, they didn't call him the Antichrist. They think he's actually a Christ. Uh, and he, but he's upset with them getting upset, so he ruthlessly crushes any opposition. There's no such thing as freedom of speech. Reminds me of what's happening in these these police-free zones out, out in Oregon and stuff. Uh, and they, they set these up and they're going to be police-free and free. And next thing you know, they have somebody running them with an iron fist and doesn't let any dissension and people are being killed in these things. And that's a picture of what's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to promise freedom and, and then they're all going to be under his own little you know uh, zone there. The whole world's going to be his zone. But it sparks a rebellion, worldwide rebellion, which will converge on the Middle East. And that's where it's headquarters is going to be set up. The Middle East, World War III. Let's pick it up with verse 40. Daniel 11, verse 40, where it says, at that at the time of the end, this is the end of the world here, at the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. Okay, so uh, so we see the king of the south rebels first. We know from parallel passages, this is probably Egypt and the African coalition that's going to come out against him. The king of the north sees an opportunity. We know who the king of the north, Russia and the Muslim coalition. They're licking their wounds after Ezekiel 38 and 39. They want to get back control of the oil and their nuclear weapons. And the only country missing from this coalition has been Turkey. Turkey is the only one missing from the biblical crescent there with Russia. The only one missing, but um, we've now managed to tick off Turkey. It's all prophetic. Uh, Turkey is ticked off. They've been alienated. They no longer want to be part of the Western coalitions. And they are migrating over to Russia and this Muslim coalition. And they're all going to converge on Israel. They're gonna, and Israel's going to be caught in the middle, just like we saw back with Antiochus Epiphanes. And the king of the north and the king of the south, they're going to be caught in the middle again. The Antichrist is going to win early victories. He's going to sweep through with his tanks and jets. Then we look at verse 41. <clears throat> he will also invade the beautiful land. We know that's Israel. Many countries will fall, but Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. He will extend his power over many countries. He will gain control of the treasuries of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt. And with Libyans and Nubians in submission, he, but reports from the east and north will alarm him and he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate the army. So he knows the east and the, the north is coming. We know he knows Russia's coming. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful mountains, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. We're going to go into great detail on this in the book of Revelation. It's all filled out. He invades Israel just like Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, all, in, all the invading armies are going to converge on Israel. Israel here. They're all going to be there. In fact, in Zechariah, in Zechariah 14, 14, where it talks about a lot of this, but in verse 2 it says, 
I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured. The houses ransacked. The women raped. Half the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Verse 3, the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And, and, and then it goes into talking. Oh, well, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley. Talking about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus' second coming. He's going to deliver them. But he he invades Israel just like Antiochus Epiphanes. Through the whole battle, Israel is passive, apparently. Why would they be passive? Because they trusted the Antichrist. They believed him. He said, I'll let, don't let me handle this. Remember the Gulf War? They were shooting scuds into Israel and they didn't respond because President of the United States says, you don't respond. We'll protect you. Same thing happens here. They don't respond too, until it's too late. Just at Antiochus Epiphanes, they waited until it was too late. They were deceived. They were wiped out. Uh, and so this is what happens here. Where's the USA though? Why aren't we saving them? <laughs> Do we really have to ask that question? Uh, maybe, um, you know, who knows if there will be a United States by this time? We're already the, the, the divided states of America. We're going to very likely be neutralized somehow, maybe through our division, very likely through all the divisions. We could be 10 countries by then, the way things are going. Um, we, we're going to, you know, it's, there, there, maybe the rapture has happened by now, weakened because of the Christians, the, the 6% of it raptured out of here. Maybe there's a nuclear attack. We don't know. We don't know, but uh, there's a 66% chance we won't be here because if there's a pre-trib, 33%. Mid-trib, we're gone. Uh, so only 33% chance that we'll still be here. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But but uh, So I'm not too worried about it. The Antichrist will pillage the world's wealth. Look what it says. It takes the wealth, just like Hitler when he overran everything, took all the wealth, took all the artwork, took all the money. He's going to overrun many of the rebel countries quickly except Edom. Look what it says. Edom, Moab, and Ammon are spared. Very likely supernatural. This is considered Jordan today. The, the country of Jordan today. And what is in Jordan? Why would God spare Jordan? Because if uh, there's a city called Petra. Petra. In an ancient city in the rocks. And we look at our map, which Sarah's going to put over here. I'm pointing over here. Sarah, here it is. We see Jordan right there, right next to Israel. And we see Petra, see the star there. And then, uh, then we see a picture of, of what it looks like in Petra. Amazing city in the rocks. Lots of people have visited. Amazing city, uh, protected, easily defended by even a small amount of soldiers. It holds 250,000 people. You talk about the remnant being saved. Very likely the Jewish remnant will end up there to fulfill this prophecy. Okay? So, verse 44 and 45, back to Daniel 11. Verse 44 and 45, where we see... All right. But he re reports from the east and north will alarm him. North Russia once again. And he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate the many. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful mountains. Yet he will come to his end and no one will be there to help him. And east also is another interesting thing as we'll see in just a minute. We're going to... Uh, army from the east. Everything is going this way, but all of a sudden an army from the east. An army from the east. We already talked about the north, Russia, with the coalition come to get revenge, hopefully. But the army from the east, we see in Revelation 9, 16. In Revelation 9, verse 16, an interesting prophecy. 
uh, talking about, uh, I'll start with verse 15. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops were 200 million. I heard their number. Somehow these demons call forth troops. And we know from Daniel that they're coming from the east. 200 million. They're going to dry up the Euphrates. Who could do this? Well, the Chinese are very good at damming rivers. They, they dam up the rivers. And there's only one, if these are actual soldiers, which apparently they are, there's only one country that could fit this, and that would be China and her allies. China actually has a militia this big already, 200 million. Uh, they, they, they sound very likely. Then the army from the north again, Russia again. But they, uh, the, the, um, he thought he had defeated Russia, but he, he forgot Hitler and he forgot Napoleon. You can never quite finish off the, 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 the Russian bear, the army of the north. You can never count them out. And here they come. And they're all converging. They're all converging. And we're going to see in Revelation, I'm just going to give you a little preview. In Revelation 16, verse 12, we see the convergence of these armies. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east, China. Uh, Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. Thank Gollum, those ugly little creatures, right? Gollum and Lord of the Rings. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. The demons deceive these people to come and fight in Israel against Jerusalem. Verse 15, Behold, I come like a thief. This is Jesus now. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Armageddon. We see Satan's unholy trinity at work. He uses the demons to lure them into battle. They think they're rebelling against the Antichrist, but Satan has a plan. He knows the second coming. We saw Jesus interjected right in the middle of that. The second coming is here. He's gathering the armies to oppose Jesus, right? Which plays right into God's hands. He's getting ready to judge all the nations and their armies, the followers of the beast, 666. He's getting ready to judge them all. And it's in Armageddon. Armageddon, the mountains of Mageddon. If you see the map, once again, the map that I have up here shows where it is, the Valley of Armageddon right here in Israel. You can see the Sea of Galilee, the Valley of Armageddon, of Megiddo. And you also see a picture. Uh, the picture that I have up there is an amazing picture of this valley. It's. Uh, I remember visiting when I was in Israel. I remember looking out over the Valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, and, and way out there was a big plume of smoke coming up right in the middle of it. And it was like almost like prophetic. I was like, wow. And, and I'm like, what is that? And the guy who toured God, I don't know what that is. That's a lot of smoke. And I was almost like seeing the beginning of a battle. It was crazy. It was crazy. And, and, and Napoleon, when he visited this site, at that site, he said, this is the perfect place for a battle. And that's exactly right. 14 miles wide, 21 miles long. It's the epicenter for the armies spread out all over Israel. They're all going to meet hundreds of millions of them. Can easily fit there and fight there. The Antichrist has his headquarters in Jerusalem, the beautiful mountain. And God says, that's enough. That's enough. Revelation 16, verse 16. Then they gathered the kings together to the place, together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. God says, 
That's enough. It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder, and severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts. That's Jerusalem. Split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. God pours out the seventh bowl judgment. The hearts are so hardened that instead of turning to God, which would be too late, they already have 666 on their forehead, they're cursing God in their foxholes, in their caves. They're cursing Him for the calamities. Uh, Revelation 19 gives us what happens next. Revelation 19 verse 11 says, I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. We all know who this is. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Try protesting that. Try standing against this. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come and, and, and put the whole world in order. Boom. The sword of his mouth is going to come out and no one's going to argue. No one's going to stand up against him. He's not going to put up with any more of the garbage, the antichrist garbage that we hear spewed daily against God and against Jesus Christ. This is the Calvary from Calvary. The Calvary is coming. Well, here comes the Calvary from Calvary. This is Jesus coming. Revelation 19 verses 19 to 21 talks a little bit more about this where it says, look what happens when they see Jesus coming. It says, Then I saw the the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. They all turn against Jesus. They're all going to fight each other, but also, whoa, we got a bigger problem. And they all turn against Jesus. It's all part of God's plan. Remember, remember the Lord of the Rings? Um, <clears throat> Actually, I think it was in The Hobbit when the three armies, the, the, the dwarves, the men, and the elves were all going to fight each other over that, the, 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 the smog's treasure. But all of a sudden, the orcs came pouring out and they all turned together to fight against the orcs in that terrible battle. That's a picture of what it is. Only they're, they're turning against Jesus here and against his army. They're all going to fight each other and they said, whoa, we better fight this guy. And they make war against Jesus. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had <clears throat> deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with a sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on their white horse. 
and all the birds gorge themselves on their flesh. The armies forget their differences. They rally behind the Antichrist. They, they do a suicide attack against Jesus. They're all wiped out. The Antichrist and false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. We'll see that in Revelation in a few weeks. Can you imagine... <clears throat> Can you imagine seeing this? You're watching CNN. Well, I hope you're not watching CNN. You might as well just watch, you know, uh, uh, SpongeBob or something. It's about the same level of, of news. Uh, but, but you're watching some, uh, maybe it's Fox, but even that's not perfect, but a little better. But, but whatever, there's only going to be one news station by the time the Antichrist comes. <clears throat> it's going to be the, the Antichrist news station. He's going to take all the news sources, put them into one giant propaganda thing. It's almost there now. It's all ready for him. All right. And whatever they're called, they're going to be controlled by the Antichrist. But can you imagine you're watching the news and you see all this happening on the news? It sounds incredible. Almost unbelievable. Except for those 135 prophecies that have already been fulfilled leading to the first coming. That's what tells us that, hey, 500 years before Christ, Daniel gives these detailed prophecies, 135 of them leading up to the Messiah's first coming. The worldwide wars he talked about, <clears throat> the rulers, the Jesus Christ's birth, his death, so many things. And that's why it was so clear, the, the prophecies were so... My, complex and, and fulfilled that many have tried to deny they were could, could have possibly been given before the time they were given except for we have that Josephus Alexander you know history right and and Jesus in Matthew 24 except all that kind of shoots a uh, you know shoots shoots down their balloon right but then all this happens all leading up all these prophecies leading up preparing for this first coming but then time stops prophecies are frozen in time. There's a prophetic gap that we talked about. Remember, the 69 weeks and then the 70th is missing. The last seven years are missing. And it's missing. The prophetic gap is there. And then all of a sudden, the clock starts ticking again. Israel becomes a nation in 1948. The clock is ticking. Not the seven-year clock, but the prophetic clock is ticking again. The European Union is formed. Jerusalem is now recognized as the capital of, of Israel. The prophetic pieces are falling into place. We're going to see the temple is being prepared, and we're going to see it go up. It's ticking louder. The doomsday clock is ticking louder. It's not nuclear-driven like we our so-called doomsday clock, but it's spirit-driven. And listen, if hundreds of prophecies have been fulfilled leading up to the first coming of Jesus Christ, that they've been fulfilled completely, you can bet on, you can count on all of these prophecies leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ being fulfilled. It's going to happen. Scary? Are you scared? Yes, we are scared. But it yet... Yes, because there's going to be persecution. Of course it's scary. It's going to get hot. We, but we, but this is a battle we don't have to fear. This last battle we don't have to fear. You know why? Because we win. <clears throat> Even the seven years is stressful and, and horrible as it's going to be, just like for the Jews with Antiochus Epiphanes, terrible time. Jesus ends up there. Same thing. We know what the end result is. We are going to win. And where will most of us be as Christians? Well, most of us will probably already be dead. If we haven't already died of old age, then we're going to be martyred, probably. Or the rapture, hopefully, will be earlier rather than later. Uh, that's our vote, but God doesn't collect votes. Uh, but anyway, but maybe, maybe the rapture will already be there. But where will we be? Uh, Revelation, most of us, I'm going to tell you where we'll be. Revelation 19, verse 14 says, we saw it already, but I'm going to read it again. Verse 14 the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in the lint, 
in fine linen, white and clean. The armies of heaven. Who are the armies of heaven? Revelation 17, 14 tells us exactly who they are. It says, getting there. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome him because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. We will be. We will be. That's us. We will be. We win. We know the end of his story. Uh, if we if we have died before this comes, those who have made it through are still on the earth, you know, became Christians after the rapture, whatever, however it all works out, they'll be there. But the rest of us are going to be on horses riding. If you don't like riding horses, take riding lessons now. We're going to be on horses. We, we're going to be riding. We're going to be winning. Read the last chapter of the book of Daniel and Revelation. It gives us hope. We win. Can you can you imagine not having this hope? Imagine living now and what, what we're going through and not having the hope of Jesus Christ. Not having the hope of knowing that we're going to win. You're watching the news and 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 is and you see what's going on and no wonder people are grasping at straws. Climate change and, and evolution and cloning and, and stem cells and, and cryonics and, and politicians and, and the worthless politicians and why they're grasping at these kind of people. Why? Because they have no hope. But we have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We know we win. Yes, there's lots of battles coming. We know it's going to get hot, but we know the outcome. We win. Whether we're killed in battle or whether we survive till the end of the battle, we win. And this is meant to inspire us. Just like you watch the Super Bowl and, and all of a sudden one of the teams, they're battling out and one of the teams gets the upper hand and they gain momentum and they start to stomp on the other team. It happens almost every time. Uh, that, that is what happens. It, it, we, it's meant to give us that momentum that we're going to win, that perseverance, that focus, that we'll battle hard what we're going through, that we develop our spiritual muscle now. We can't be these wimpy, wimpy Christians. I was just talking to someone who said uh, a big problem with Christian counseling right now is what they're seeing people coming in is they have ADHD, but not the normal ADHD. What they have is uh, they have anxiety, depression, ADHD. I lost the H and uh, despair. Something I, I missed one. But anyway, they, that, that's what Christians have now is they've lost hope and they're in despair. And, and, and that's what Christians have. We got to be tougher than it. This is nothing. We can't have anxiety, depression, hopelessness and despair. We can't have ADHD, Christian ADHD. We can't have that. Because why? Because <clears throat> we got to get ready. This is nothing. The, what's happening, coronavirus and the economy and, and riots and all the things that are happening, this is nothing compared to what we're going to be facing in the book of Daniel and Revelation, prophesied through the Spirit of Jesus. We've got to be ready. we got to develop spiritual muscle. You better develop your kids' spiritual muscle. We have to be ready for for the battle and more importantly be ready for heaven god is refining his church he's preparing a holy bride do you have that hope today do you have that hope as a christian are you focused on the second coming on persevering and growing through the trials on preparing for the white robes and purity are you taking riding lessons get on a horse get ready you're going to be riding a horse ready for the spiritual battles versus satan uh, uh fighting sin in our life fighting the world de developing a biblical worldview so we can stand against the world's lies and deception it's shocking six percent of americans have a biblical worldview where are the rest of the christians 
They've been, they've been conformed to this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of their mind. We have to be prepared for that final battle. Are you prepared? Maybe you're here listening to this and you're not a Christian yet. Are you, are you not ready? You haven't acted on the first coming. You have to act on the first coming of Jesus Christ to be ready for the second coming or to be ready for meeting God anytime we have to face him. Do you have that hope? Whose side are you on? You're on Jesus. You're either on Jesus' side or you're on Satan's side. You have to pick Christ or the Antichrist. Who will you follow? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? The time to do that is now. The time to do that to avoid Satan's deception now and the Antichrist in the future is by having the Holy Spirit in you and you only get the Holy Spirit by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Have you put your faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, given your life to Jesus? That is your only protection from Satan, from the Antichrist, from sin, from the world, from all that's happening is Jesus Christ. That's it. Have you ever acted on the first coming of Jesus Christ? You can do that right now. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, listening to this, you can do that right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The prayer of faith, Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I give my life to you. I turn away from the world. I turn away from sin. I ask you to forgive me and make me a new person because I'm putting my faith in you. I want life. The life you've promised. The life that starts here on earth and goes throughout all eternity. I want life with you, Jesus. I put my faith in you. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, Jesus has promised to send his Holy Spirit into you. You have the Holy Spirit in you this moment. Oh, just wait. You're going to see. You're going to see. You will never be the same. You can never think the same. You can never act the same. You now have a peace and a joy that was impossible to believe. You will now read the Bible and it will come alive to you. And God is going to get you ready. For the battle. He's going to get you ready for eternity with him. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. If you have no one to tell the great news, email me at Chuck Wilson at nhcc at comcast.net. Let me know. I'll, get, I'll be excited for you and help you get connected with a good church or a good group of Christians. For the rest of us who are already Christians, how is God speaking to us? How is God convicting us? Are we ready for the second coming? Are we preparing with these little battles or are we ADHD Christians? Anxious, depressed, hopeless, despairing Christians? Or are we winning the little battles, preparing for the big battles that we're going to be facing? 
Father, I pray that every one of us would develop spiritual muscle, we would develop purity, that we would, we would prepare for, for persecution. We would prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would be ready, refined and holy and different from the world, thinking different, living different, transformed by the renewing of our minds. I pray that for every person who's listening to that, this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't miss next time. We're going to finish the book of Daniel. Hard to believe.